Amrehart Freberg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 212 for the Easter long weekend, starting 29 March 2018. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, real technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, EOH's Annus Horribilis. Also this week, uh, yeah, you've got to say that carefully, otherwise you're going to end up saying something <laughs> rude. <laughs> also this week, Facebook's travails, Huawei's new phones, and I'm wondering whether market failure in telecoms is nothing but a fallacy. Mm, it's, fr- it's not Friday, but it's the start of a long weekend, and that means it's time to talk tech. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Rechart? How's it, Duncan? Very good, thanks. So I believe you have been geeking out um, to rather extraordinary levels in the last few days, um, building systems and uh, upgrading your internet connection and uh, just generally geeking out. Yeah, it's been an incredible, it's been a milestone of geekery for me, definitely, <laughs> by far. Um, so I've, I've kind of, I've finally started my, my system build that we've been speaking about for the last uh, few months. Um, got all the equipment. I've, I've got a variety of things. I'm going to build two machines. Um, these are both test beds. Uh, uh, the one is going to be a Ryzen-based um, machine, AMD Ryzen-based machine, and the other one is going to be an Intel uh, Core i7-based machine. I've got a very beautiful MSI GTX 1070 Ti graphics card, which um, what I'm trying to build is not not the high, highest-end machine money can buy. I'm trying to build something that is reasonably affordable in a, in a gaming-type machine, um, and that's going to be the angle for the content I create off the base of that as well. You know, just to kind of show that, you know, you can you don't have to spend fifty, sixty thousand rand to get something decent. Yes. Uh, and kind of trying to see how we can push these machines to, you know, just push them a bit to get better performance. And also obviously just playing with components again. I mean, it's been a few years since I've had my hands dirty in a, a system build. Um, so it's gonna be very exciting to, to get back into into that. And obviously yeah. these machines are going to be absolutely fantastic. So yeah. as as a as a as a part of that I also Upgraded my fiber connection because I needed I needed to test a new router that, I've, that I'm playing with, as well as I just wanted to get um, download a lot of data very quickly while I was doing these system builds. So I was I thought let me let me kill two birds with one stone. So I'm sporting now for a very limited time a one gigabit one gigabit per second fiber connection, <laughs> and it is every bit as amazing as what that sounds. I must be honest. Uh, yeah, I've been trying to break that completely. I've, I haven't hit one gig yet. I've got close to eight seventy eight. 80, I think, 80 megabits. Over Ethernet. Yeah, over Ethernet. Um, but just having, I, I, I did a massive game update, a Battlefield 1 that was about a 64 gig uh, complete yeah. game download over, uh, over, over Steam. the Origin network. No, Origin. Steam. Okay. Origin, yeah. Um, it took, I didn't time it exactly, but it took me less than an hour because I stepped away from my PC and I thought I was going to wait a while. And when I came back, 64 gigs was really, was downloaded and installed. Yeah. So obviously, if, you, if you're drawing from a fast system, the benefits are there. Yes. But, uh, yeah, it is, it's just pure indulgence, to be honest with you. No, a gig, it's, um, it's, it's something truly beautiful. But this, you know what I would fire up on that if you haven't already is Google Earth. Yes, I actually haven't. That's a very good point. I must do that. Go into a, a, um, a city with a lot of 3D building detail like New York or San Francisco or one of the big American cities. Yes. And yes. switch every setting in Google Earth to maximum and just watch that city load on your screen instantly. Oh, yes, I will be doing that this weekend, that's for sure. <laughs> no, this is the first weekend I've actually got some time. I mean, this weekend has been planned to, to mm. be kicking out, so I'm going to be – if anybody's got any other suggestions that, that, that we can put this line to through its spaces, mm. um, much, yeah. uh, much appreciate it. But, uh, look, the reality of having a one gigabit per second line is that the service you're pulling from isn't going to deliver speeds of that for the most part. For the most some part. Games, mm-hmm. some, some local game service you can get. that. Obviously, if you're doing a speed test, you go into your local nearest node to give you that – Mm. One gig or that extra make sure. uh, throughput, but still, it's about the bandwidth. I mean, you can put you can put a lot more people on on a on a gig line doing a lot more simultaneously, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where you're going to see the power of this the, the thick bandwidth. Have you done any international speed tests on that line? Yes, I have. It drops significantly, obviously, because you you're going through many other nodes uh, when you when you do ping uh, or when you do do a speed test to an international server it does drop significantly depending on where you go uh, i've had it down to 600 megs at one point but most 600 is megs, yeah. wow. most places are 200 300 meg down yeah there. it's because the international bandwidth is more contested than the local bandwidth oh yeah, yeah. much very, very much so i mm-hmm. mean 
if you do a speed test, you'll, you'll notice that on the speed test screen, you can choose you can choose where you want to test a node from. And most mm. of the time, it's very close to you. So the the real world speed test versus a speed test speed test are two different things. Right? Yeah, I mean, you know, from from, yeah. from streaming stuff. Another good benchmark actually is to test uh, Netflix has got a speed test as well. That's a great. It gives, a con- it's a, it gives you a continual download. It's not just a one. So it's basically like it's streaming something. It's streaming the data to your PC and it's measuring that. Um, to give you the, the, the bandwidth, which is probably more accurate because it's going to give you under load, under continual load. Uh, yes. Bandwidth. Yes. For 6,000 Rand, though, I'm not sure if it's something I will do on a manual and on a permanent <laughs> basis. I mean, it is beyond phenomenal, but fiber is such an incredible technology. At 100 meg, you're still getting such an incredible service. And yes. I've got no, nothing to complain about on my 100 meg, 50 meg, well, 50 meg line, actually. Yeah. Uh, Except for that, just you know, those peaks. If you want to get a lot of stuff very quickly, yeah. one kick is definitely the way to go. And as 4K gaming takes off and, and becomes more popular, those downloads on Steam are just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, oh, yeah. and uh, oh, yeah. um, I, I would imagine in a few years that um, most of the high-end games will be at least 100 gigabytes big. Oh yeah, oh yeah, without a doubt. And then that's, and, but then I, by then I'm sure you know most people will have access to fiber. And even if you don't have a gig, it, you'll you'll still have you'll still get it in record time. Yeah, without a doubt. Yes. I mean, we are coming from a place of ADSL, yes, uh, which was horrible. Imagine downloading 64 gigs yeah. over an ADSL line. Yeah. I don't think I don't think it would have ended well for anybody. No, I mean it's changed that dramatically. I mean we're talking to each other now. We're live streaming this. Uh, the audio, but we're live streaming it on the internet while we're talking to each other and watching each other in HD video. It's incredible. Um, it's lovely. It's lovely. And uh, this just stuff you just couldn't do on DSL. Yeah, and I mean, this is consumer tech that we're using. We're not even, we didn't yeah. even de- delve deep into the, to the broadcast level stuff. I yes. mean, this is just, anybody can access this. And you just need a decent internet connection. Yeah. yeah. No lag. Yeah, there's no lag. There's no delay on the screen, on the feed. It's pretty impressive. But I like the um, I like the video, and um, we, we're doing some more work around uh, our live streaming stuff. Uh, I can't say too much just yet, but uh, we may be able to talk about it a bit more in the next show. But there's some exciting stuff coming down the line. I know. Oh yeah. So um, we have chatted a lot about your tech geekery for the week in the head. Um, uh, I'll be eating Easter bunny chockies while you build a build a Ryzen and, and Intel systems. Um, oh, delicious. I'm going to challenge you to a few games, so you better be ready. Eh? Once, uh, you need to give me at least two hours of your time over this. Oh, yeah, sure, be- sure, sure. We can play some PUBG. Yes. Um, uh, I, start, I installed quite a good game the other day um, that looks great for multiplayer. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront. Oh, um, Battlefront is also great. About uh, two years old now, I think, but it's a great multiplayer game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's based on the Battlefield engine, right? So oh, it's based on the same engine that Battlefield is built with. So I don't know if you've played Battlefield 1 yet, but that is a super beautiful game. It is, it is, it yes. Is. I, haven't, I mean, as a big Battlefield fan, I haven't played Battlefield 1 yet. So the last two weeks, my first introduction to the game as a full-time kind of experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm very impressed by that. Yeah, I haven't played much of it, I must say. I've, um, I, uh, I've, been, I've been stuck on playing Party Hard. You, I, I wish you'd never told oh, me about party that. Party Hard. <laughs> <laughs> it is so addictive. I've spent... I've spent many, 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 many hours of my life now uh, immersed in this thing. I finished, I finished the entire game, and now I'm playing all the user-generated content. Um, and I'm, I was, I was a bit um, uh, annoyed to see that Party Hard Two, which was supposed to be out this month, has been delayed to sometime <laughs> later in the year. <laughs> it's, I don't know what it is about that game. I mean, it's it's so simple, but it's, it's just I find it's it so relaxing. It's relaxing. Relaxing killing people. Okay. <laughs> <Tends> a lot. <laughs> I don't know what it says about my personality, but yeah. Um, I, I, it's the music too. It's just the whole 8-bit yeah, theme that's got yeah. going and the old school 80s music. And um, Have you seen the videos on YouTube for Party Hard 2 though, by the way? It looks very good. Well, no, no, I haven't. I haven't. Mm, yeah. I'm actually Go have a look after out. the show at the Party Hard 2 uh, clips. Yeah, it's on my list. It's on my Steam wish list. Okay, cool. Um... So yeah, uh, let's um, let's get started with our show. And uh, Rechard, do you want to ask the first question in this week's quiz? Oh yeah, we almost missed the quiz results, right? The first question in this week's quiz: Huawei launched two new flagship phones this week. What are they? And then um, the launch of NASA's planned replacement to the Hubble Space Telescope has been delayed until at least 2020. What is the new telescope called? I can't wait for that thing to be live. Yeah, no, me too. To be me incredible. too. Incredible. Imagine mm. the kind of stuff you'll be able to. The, the images you'll be able to download from it. 
Third question, Nasperger sold 2% of its stakes in China's 10 cent. How much money did it net through the sale and will accept to the nearest billion dollars? Yeah, you and I are talking big money when we'll accept sure. to the nearest billion dollars. <laughs> um, which Cape Town startup has been acquired by U.S. tech giant Hewlett Packard Enterprise? And the last question, an autonomous vehicle killed a woman in the U.S. last week. Who did the vehicle belong to? That's our quiz. As always, we'll get to the results at the end of the show. Um, yeah, let's get into our news, Rechot. And uh, EOH, uh, um, I almost didn't go to their uh, results presentation. You know, these JSC-listed companies yeah, always have yeah. uh, presentations to you, to uh, investment analysts. They tend to be very dry affairs, and you tend to be able to get everything you need out of the statements that get put out on, on the JSC Sends news service. Uh, and I thought, let me go along. You know, the company has had a very tough 2017, and it'd be interesting to hear what the management has to say about uh, the poor financial performance. So um, I arrived there and uh, sat down um, to a packed room at the Hyatt, uh, or what used to be called the Hyatt in Rosebank. I forget what they changed the name to. And um, Asher Bobot, the former CEO, and who's now the chairman, got up and delivered about a 20-minute long, impassioned, quite emotional at times speech uh, about everything that's happened to EOH in the last year. Uh, I recorded it on my phone, and I've actually posted it as a podcast uh, and it's well worth a listen to. Um, it was uh, it was very interesting to listen to this in light of everything that's happened in the past year. And I'm not going to rehash it all on this on this podcast. But you know they they made that acquisition of um, of those that, of that group that held those various businesses that were, or which one of which was allegedly involved in dodgy police tenders. Mm-hmm. Um, there were other articles written about alleged corruption or corrupt practices um, involving uh, EOH businesses. Um, and then, of course, last year we saw the share price coming under incredible pressure, uh, um, not least in December when it fell to multi-year lows after uh, some of the directors were forced into selling their shares. Um, by um, They were in leveraged positions and they were forced to sell their yeah. shares after it reached certain trigger levels as it was tumbling. And that caused the share price to crash even further. So um, it was interesting, to quite a rambling sort of um, presentation by Asher Bobot, but you can see he's very invested and not surprised. Uh, this is a business he started 19 years ago and built into um, one of, if not the biggest IT services company in South Africa. Um, but go have a listen to it. It's an interesting, uh, the sound quality isn't the best because I did record it on my cell phone, but um, it is quite listenable too and um, well, worth, uh, well worth a listen, I think, too. From what I, I suppose I could describe him as quite an eccentric character. Um, he's, uh, I think this industry has produced quite quite a few eccentric characters over the years, and Asher yeah. Asher Bobot is one of them, I think. Um, but you need to be you need to be an eccentric in the in, to really make to really make a big splash in the in the tech space. I've I think you're right. Uh, if, if you look at the, the leaders of the big tech companies around the world and in the US, they're all a bit eccentric. Aren't they? I think I think eccentricity is a necessary trait to build a successful multi-billion-dollar business. Um, yeah. I mean, if you look at uh, you look at uh, Steve Jobs, he was he was an, he was a bit of a crank from from from. from, from <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Bill Gates. I mean, he you know he he was an odd odd character. Still is an odd character. Um, uh, there've been plenty of books written about uh, you know about. Um, the, some of the funny things he used to do and uh, yeah. how he used to rock in his chair endlessly. And, uh, um, but yeah, these are, these are eccentric guys. And I, I think you need a, you need, a, you need to be a little bit mad to, 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 to be a, a, as successful as some of them are. And we've certainly seen that in the South African context as well. Um, some of the most successful, um, some of the most successful CEOs, uh, have been, a. I'm not saying Asher Bobot is mad, but um, <laughs> he is. No, but they all have, they all have a twist. I think and that's they do. Yes, with anything. I mm. think you just if you. It also helps you stand out a bit. You know, just it does. People do remember you, and then you do make a bigger impact. Yes, it goes a far way. Yeah. So um, yeah, it, go listen to that, uh, that 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 presentation. It's on the website, and um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, there's no doubt that EOH has made mistakes. Um, I think it's also fair to say uh, that they won't like me saying this, but I think it's also fair to say that um, there's, there's been a, quite a degree of arrogance involved in the organisation. Certainly, and I think it still came across um, to some extent in yesterday's or this week's rather um, financial results presentation. Um, 
but it's a good organization and it's you know its share price has come off by something like 70 or 80% in the last year year and a bit uh and if they if they can turn it around um it it could be a, a, a screaming buy at the, at current levels um, i'm not buying it um uh, in fact my um experience in the stock market to, uh, suggests that you should never follow any financial advice that I might give on equities. Um, <laughs> but um, at these levels, one, one does have to wonder if it's one of the best uh, potential um, share buys on the JSE right now. Oh, yeah. Certainly, if you listen to management, they say they've got, they've got this thing under control and they're going to be turning it around in the second half. Um, but I, the proof will be in the pudding and that pudding will be the full year results, which will be out in about six months time. Um, it was a terrible first half. To, uh, headline earnings per share down 23%. This is from a business that was growing its headline earnings per share 20, 30, sometimes even 40% every year for coming on for 20 years. And then suddenly you've got this, so it's almost a steady lineup. And then now suddenly dunk, down. Um, so it's 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 broken a, a very long record. It raises other questions as well. Like, can they um, can they uh, continue to buy companies? I mean, they've been a very acquisitive company, and their growth has has to a large extent been based on making acquisitions. But those acquisitions have been based on issuing expensive script um, their shares, um, and and then quickly integrating those companies into the EOH business. But if the share price has come off and it's not showing any signs of recovery, certainly not at the moment. Uh, it becomes more difficult to use your share price to buy companies. Um, I, I see Zunaid Mayet, the CEO, and we did a podcast with him as well this week, uh, saying that um, they've raised cash through through this new BE partner that they've brought on board, and uh, that they they may they should be able to continue making acquisitions, but the mix may change, and may, they may be issuing less shares and paying more cash yeah. to do deals. But it's an interesting it's an interesting company, and it's been through a very tough time in the last twelve months, and. Um, I think it would have tested even the the the, the world's best manager, and um, we'll only know how well they've come out of it in in six months' time. But an interesting company, very very interesting company. Rechot, I think we must uh, take a quick ad break uh, for our podcast listeners, live streamers. We'll be back uh, right now. Honey, why can't I download any more series? Dad, my game just bombed. Daddy, I was speaking to Kevin and my cord just cut out. With uncapped Vox Fiber to the home, reaching your cap is a thing of the past. You can have all your devices connected all the time. Get unlimited browsing, unlimited calling, and unlimited entertainment. Vox Fiber, now uncapped. T's and C's apply. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity. For business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Welcome back to the show. How's it, Rechart? How's it, Duncan? Good, thanks. So, Facebook. Um, Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. Facebook, Facebook. <laughs> what are they doing? Have you, um, have you been following this uh, Cambridge Analytica story and, and everything that's flowed following that? Uh, and has it made you any more likely to want to leave Facebook? To be honest, no. It didn't make me want to leave Facebook, but it's made me... It's kind of brought to the front this this whole thing about privacy and how much how much we're actually giving over to a company like Facebook. Mm. Um, I mean, part of what I do, part of my work is Facebook-related stuff. So for me, you know, I can't really just leave it. You know, I've, I've, I'm investing in it from many angles. You know, I work with a few advertisers that use the platform very successfully, which is kind of why I was surprised when there was such an uproar with how people are able to target other people on Facebook. And I'm sure that the, the the, the methods that Cambridge Analytica used is a bit more dodgy than, than the tools that's available to your average uh, consumer or advertiser. Mm -hmm. But Facebook, the whole base of Facebook isn't secretive. You know, you get there's data. Everybody's got their data on there, and it allows people like advertisers or people who just want to share their posts or promote their posts uh, for their business or small business mm -hmm. to reach very specific audiences that is their customers. Um, obviously, this kind of thing can be used for for for, for you know, can be used for the wrong thing, as we have seen now, or can be used for for dubious uh, mm. things, I guess. 
But it does answer, ask, open a lot of questions like why, could, why did a company get such deep-rooted access to so much, so much data? You know? mm-hmm. And I mean, it's also not, not forget that they only, they only really breached, they only used this application that they uh, got to gather the data. They only uh, targeted a few hundred thousand people. From there, it's, it, it kind of, um, from there they were able to connect up to 50 million people just by uh, scrawling everybody's uh, everybody that they uh, use this app with, they crawled their profiles, and that uh, got them to the 50 million mm. uh, number that we've been hearing. Yeah. So um, Facebook announcing this week that they're going to uh, to change the privacy settings and massively simplify them and, and make them easier to to access and also surface them in uh, the news feed of, of uh, users. Um, and a lot of it looks very good, but uh, some people have pointed out, and they're quite right, that um, Facebook was going to have to do this anyway yeah. uh, because of GDPR, which is uh, the European Data Protection Regulations. I think it stands for General Data Protection Regulation, um, which is a, quite a strenuous um, set of, of regulations de- dealing with data privacy, and they're coming into effect quite soon. Uh, and so, um, in many respects, Facebook probably simply just brought brought it forward and, and made it look like they were responding to this issue. Um, but the, you know, it's good that 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 they are looking at this issue because clearly um, uh, our user data has not been looked after as carefully as it should have been. Um, I've I've become quite. I used to do it a lot in the past, and you know, it's so convenient when you're on the web and you're signing up for a new service, and it says log in with Facebook. Um, but when you click on that, when you click on that, you're giving access to certain features on Facebook. Uh, or that third-party app is going to get access to to a, a bunch of things on Facebook. Uh, it does tell you what those things are, but I think a lot of users just go, mm, "Okay, accept." Mm. Uh, next thing you know, the, the app's got your email address, it's got um, your phone number, it's got you know, other or any type of information that you know that you've sh- you've agreed to share, yeah. and and when you sign up for a lot of these things, and you don't even realize you're doing it, and then you know you go into your Facebook privacy settings, and many people don't go into their Facebook privacy settings, then you go and then you see there's 40 third party applications that have access to your data. Um, yeah, I actually need to go and clean that out as well because I I use that I use that feature. It's a great feature to have on the internet. And, I there's used so to. many services now. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be signing up for everyone manually. It's just it is time consuming. Maybe we're a bit lazy, but that's reality. It is laziness. I, I, I mean, I use a password manager now, and um, yeah. and when I fill in the details, my email address and and password, Dashlane, which is the password manager I use, automatically saves it because there's a plugin in the in my web browser. So okay. I just I just I just literally log in, boom, done, log in, and I don't I don't know what the password is. I never will. Uh, and next time I go back there, Dashlane logs me in automatically. So it's taken away that, that difficulty mm. process um, to a large extent. So I've stopped, I've stopped allowing anyone yeah, access yeah. to my Facebook profile and I've deleted every third-party app I had signed, up, signed th- in through there. Because I don't, so, in light of what's happened here, I don't trust them. Of course, you can ask you now, so what is your, what is your opinion on what's happened? I mean, you obviously still have a Facebook profile. Yeah. Do you feel the need to delete it completely? No, I don't. I... Um, I can't. Uh, Facebook is um, universal. It's ubiquitous. Everyone's on there. It's, uh, deleting it is, is not really an option. Um, so I keep up with family and friends on, on Facebook mainly. I don't really use it for, for business too much. Um, but it's know, great for that. It's fantastic it for is. connecting with people. It is. But I think as a consumer, you just need to be aware of the fact that you are the product uh, and that um, Facebook is is mining your data to sell mm. you advertising, and I think if you're mindful of that and and uh, you regularly check on your privacy settings in the settings menu and make sure nothing's changed, um, I wouldn't go as far as saying read the terms and conditions because I mean no one actually does that. And they have yeah. fifty pages of legalese, um, and I think it's ridiculous to expect anyone to actually read through those terms and conditions. Uh, but um, certainly, I think I think people should be um, conscious of the fact that they're the product when they're on there, and they should also make sure that they're not sharing information that they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, typically, you should not be sharing your Facebook news feed with anyone other than your friends, which I think is the default setting, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But go in there and make sure you aren't actually sharing everything with the planet. Um, tighten yeah, look, tighten it up. Yeah, there's two there's two major parts to privacy on Facebook. It's basically 
uh, who you let, who you allow to see your content and basically public. Mm. Um, if you put it on public, obviously, then even search callers can find the information that is on your site. So what I've done many years ago is I actually closed down everything. So if you if you search for my profile, you won't see anything. You might see my yeah. profile picture, but you won't see a friends list. You won't see a timeline. You won't see a photograph that I posted. Um, it's just completely blocked down. Yeah. Same with when anybody's tagging me on Facebook. So all of those things are also completely uh, shut down from my side. So people can tag me, but I get a notification and I can either allow or you know, delete that post on my side. So it'll still pop up on their side, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but I can still control from my side yeah. who I want to see that and who I want that, that to see that popping up on my side. Yeah. But I think the I think the the um, most important thing to do, perhaps even more important than just going through the privacy checkup, is just to check what third party apps have access yeah. to your data. Um, and I think that if you haven't done it before, you might be quite shocked. Yeah, I'm going to be shocked. I haven't done that since I started using it. Now I've, I've used it a lot, so yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be in for a shock. So a lot, there are a lot of services that you sign up for and you actually forget about. You stop using over the over the years, and uh, they they sit there and they they can see your data. Um, maybe I'm just being paranoid, Richard. No, I don't think you are. I think we need to be cautious with these things because, like we've seen with with this Facebook debacle that's come to the fore now, is that you know there's always going to be people out for your data. There's always going to be people who want to use something for their own gain. Mm. And if the platforms are there, it's going to be a target. Yes. Uh, I'm not saying leave Facebook. I'm just saying be cautious, be vigilant. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, be a wise digital citizen. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I want to talk about Huawei. Um, can you reckon, I'm showing Rechard a video, uh, sorry, a, a phone on my, uh, on the screen, video conference call we're on here. Can you, can you recognize what this is? Apart from the logo at the bottom, it looks very generic, but it looks like a very nice uh, screen there. It's beautiful. It's got a huge screen. I think it's 6.2 or 6.5 inches. It's the Huawei Mate 10 Pro, and I'm very, very, very impressed with this phone. Um, It is unbelievably fast. It's got a beautiful screen, as all my messages come through, because it's (laughs) not silent, of course. Uh, Let me just mute that so it doesn't disturb us. Um, It's got a stunning display, almost edge-to-edge. It's unbelievably quick. They've made incredible advances with their skin that sits on top of Android. Um, It's a really, really beautiful device. It's one of the best phones I've seen. Um, And yet they, uh, they don't want to sell them in the United States. Um, yeah, the US has got a thing against China. Eh? Yeah, and it's getting getting <laughs> uglier by the by the minute. And of course, Huawei this week announced the P20 and P20 Pro. Uh, I haven't uh, played with one yet, but they are stunning looking phones as well, um, particularly that Pro model. Um, yeah, I look forward to 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 getting one in hand, but. You know, I've always, I've always thought of uh, Huawei as a little bit of a laggard. I know they've been catching up very rapidly, um, but a bit of a laggard to, to Apple and Samsung. Um, but this Mate 10 Pro shows me they have caught up in, in a big way. They're a very aggressive company. If you look mm. at what they've been doing and how they've been just trying to get their name out there, uh, they, they are out for world domination without a doubt, and mm. they want to do it with really good products. Yeah. If you look at the manufacturing bolt over the last few years of the Huawei products, I mean, even their routers and you know, any of their products they produce, their new stuff, yeah. it's, it's, it's superb quality. It is, they've, they've stepped up the game, and they're trying to take out the big boys who's, who's already got that kind of stuff down. They're obviously just trying to offer the same tough product, same quality product, but at a, at a cheaper price. Cheaper price, yeah. Although their prices have been creeping up as well. They, I think they want to compete in that uh, high-end, high-value, high-margin Smartphone space, right sure, at the top. Sure, when end. the high end, high end mm. devices would be on. I mean, yeah, this is yeah. a this is. But a, they've got some really good, uh, cheap. Yeah, for sure. This Mate 10 Pro is a fifteen thousand rand phone, so it's in the Samsung Galaxy S8 uh, and S9 sort of price category. Um, price range. Uh, but it it really is very good. I've I've been playing with it for about a week now, and uh, I'm suitably impressed. And the the early reviews I've seen of the P20 and P20 Pro. Also suggest it's a great smartphone, but yeah, the Americans. Um, it's, it's, it seems to me, and I think I used this word in the last show, but it, it strikes me as a bit of jingoism. Um, there's this almost righteous nationalism that we're seeing coming out of the out of America, uh, that these phones are um, going to spy on people. Um, but you know, the iPhone is made in China. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Everything's made in China. 
Um, exactly. If that's, if that's a basis for your argument, you're going to you're going to lose because you know it's it's all of the tech that we have is coming mm. from that source that they hate so much. You know, so you're not going to get away with it. Yeah, get away from it. But uh, yeah, the big big mobile operators there have said that uh, they they're not going to sell Huawei phones, and um, I think Best Buy has uh, just announced uh, that they're also not going to sell them. Um, it's it's crazy. Well, I mean, on what basis? Um, but uh, I think I think America is very concerned about um, the rising power of China as a tech technology giant, um, and you know. The Trump administration. They are, and the Trump administration, I think, is um, is is very nationalistic and 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 putting up trade barriers. We're, we're seeing that now. Um, you know, they blocked the acquisition of Qualcomm, for example. Um, it's this very sort of nationalistic, mm. protectionist approach, um, almost anti-globalization, um, which I would never have really expected from the U.S. Republican Party. Um, uh, so it, it, you know, it's I don't know, I don't know what to make of it. But um, but these are great phones, and I'm glad, I, I'm glad we can buy more Huawei phones here in South Africa, and uh, and the company's yeah. doing a good job, and it's you know bringing the competition to Samsung and Apple, um, especially at that yeah, high more end. More choice for the consumer. Exactly, exactly. Um, and who cares if your emails are being read by the Chinese government anyway? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody's reading your mails regardless whether it's gmail apple microsoft yes, yes. somebody's reading it. i um i don't use wechat by the way because i am a bit concerned <laughs> about that um so maybe maybe i'm being a bit paranoid myself but uh you still uses wechat is that still a thing um, about a billion is... about a billion chinese use it <laughs> i don't think it's gained much traction here in south africa <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, we seem to be losing a bit of connectivity here. Uh, I might have to redial you, Rechart, if, uh, if, uh, if uh, it stays it bad. Soft. But it seems to be back, so let's, um, let's carry on. I wanted to do, uh, talk about something I was thinking about and I tweeted about last night. Um, whenever I go, especially in the telecom space, you go and you listen to presentations on regulation and policy, and there's this chestnut, if I can call it that, that the politicians love to trot out and it's it's the phrase market failure they say there has been market failure so we have to intervene in this or that way and they say you know mtn and vodacom are too dominant there's been market failure or um, fixed line broadband is too expensive there's been market failure Mm -hmm. and i've thought about this and thought about it and my conclusion and i don't know if you have a view on this record i I could just ramble on about it but um (laughs) My view is the market can't actually fail, that it has to be by necessity always policy or regulatory failure. Uh, Sure, individual companies can fail and and they can fail spectacularly. We've seen that with Steinhoff, for example, here in South Africa. But I I think companies or the market behaves logically in the policy and regulatory environment in which it operates. Um, I've been debating this um, on Twitter as much as you can have a debate about regulatory and policy issues on Twitter with Alison Gilwald from Research ICT Africa, someone who I respect a great deal and um, who knows a heck of a lot about uh, telecoms regulatory issues. And, um, you know, I, I just, I just, I just, the more I think about it, the, the more I, I, I believe that um, the market is never the problem. The, Market always corrects itself. If there's a if there's a problem in the market, like we saw, for example, in fixed line broadband in South Africa, where there was a, a dominant operator, the problem there was the government was protecting the government op- the, the the telecom fixed line monopoly, and so it was a policy failure. The market then opened up, um, actually not through any effort of the government. It opened up because of LTEC won a court case and the telecommunications market became deregulated, and people decided they were going to challenge the situation. But um, we then saw the emergence of Vumatel and a whole host of other fiber providers, and they were filling a gap that Telcom hadn't filled, either because Telcom's prices were too high or they hadn't rolled out the infrastructure. And they hadn't. They hadn't rolled out fiber, and there was a demand for fiber. There was demand for cheaper broadband, and, um, and, and so they filled the gap. So that was the market behaving logically and efficiently. So that's how, that's how a market should behave. When there's a yeah. gap, a new competitor comes in. If there's a need, somebody will build yeah. it. 
but by the same token, if you introduce regulation and you try you, regulation, very often is, is introduced uh, well. You know, with, with a um, what's the phrase with with the right meaning, people wanting the right outcome, but it often has the un unintended consequences. And I'm thinking. Ikasa, we all used to clamor, most of us anyway, used to clamor for local loop unbundling. Um, you know, telecom prices yeah. are so high, you've got to unbundle the local loop and provide access into that last mile. ISPs need to be able to service customers directly. We must open up the last mile and lo local loop unbundling must happen. Local loop unbundling never happened. I'm, I don't know why. Um, it could have been that Ikasa just didn't have the resources to do it. It could have been... Um, it could have been any number of reasons, but it didn't happen. If local loop unbundling regulations had been introduced, would we ever have had Vumatel? That's a very good question. Could the regulation also, unintentionally um, result in, in everyone focusing on telecoms infrastructure, because now it's open, we can use it, we can give provide access mm -hmm. into homes, and therefore hey, companies then deciding, well, maybe there isn't a market for an alternative last mile fixed provider. And um, maybe we wouldn't, wouldn't have had the fiber to the home race that we've seen over the last three years, four years. Um, so that's another side of the thing. And I, I just, I, um, I'd love to argue this out with an economist, um, maybe get a libertarian economist on, on, on one side and maybe a more left-leaning economist on the other side. And, and maybe I should do a podcast on this because I think it's a fascinating discussion. Um, and, and, and just argue it out. Um, should should we just let the market, a laissez-faire market, operate and and uh, and just see what the outcome is, or is there a need for some targeted regulation and policy intervention in the industry? The more I look at it, the more it would appear to me that uh, the laissez-faire approach makes more sense. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not an expert on, on, on regulation. I'm not a, a telecoms regulatory lawyer, and I'd love to get some, some views on this. So maybe, I'll, uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get a little panel together and we can, uh, we can record a podcast and, and talk uh, through the issues. Exactly. Throw it open to the audience and let's see what we can get. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And that, the, that's our news, plus a bit more this week. Um, let's move on to our regular features. Uh, our winner this week, now let's start with our loser because uh, we've already discussed him. It's Mark Zuckerberg. Um, I think in part because of the way he's, he's handled this whole thing. Um, very, very um, slow response from, from Facebook. And um, I think he's may, starting to make the right moves now, but he's still going to face a lot of pressure from US and UK lawmakers over the Cambridge Analytica situation. And he's going to face a lot more um, scrutiny in future. Um, over, its, over the company's business practices. So um, he, he's our obvious uh, loser of the week. And a winner this week is a Cape Town-based startup called Cape Networks. They uh, used to be called Asymmetric, um, real bunch of, of uh, propeller heads um, uh, to develop some very clever technology that allows you to monitor your uh, infrastructure and have it alert you before problems occur. Um, artificial intelligence, I think, based uh, solution. And they've been bought by Hewlett Packard uh, Enterprise, which is, you know, Hewlett Packard a uh, year or two back split into two businesses. Uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, obviously focusing on the, on the, on the more business market. Um, and uh, yeah, they've been bought up by uh, HPE and uh, they've got offices in Silicon Valley and another local Cape Town. They always come out of Cape Town, don't they? Um, mm. Another Cape Town-based startup sold out to an international company. Yeah, we don't know what the uh, value of the deal is. They're not disclosing that. Uh, I'd love to know, um, but uh, you know, every around about once a year or so, we hear of another Cape Town startup getting bought out by a big international tech company. I think it's fantastic. There living was, the dream. <laughs> the guys are living the dream. Oh, yeah. Garmin bought out a local Cape Town company. Yeah, Ikubu, the Stellenbosch-based yes. uh, developer. They did the radar, sonar and radar, yeah. uh, specifically for bikes. bikes. And yes. it's a fantastic product. And Garmin, it's, Garmin has really did a good job with it, done yeah. a good job with it. Yeah. But there's so, so many little startups coming out of Cape Town and, and, and just finding niches and, yeah. and then getting, it, getting the attention of, uh, of Silicon Valley. Well done, guys. You are our winners this week. And um, what's your pick this week, Rehart? You've got two, right. right? Yeah, i got two. We kind of already spoke about the Celsius one gigabit, uh, one gigabit per second fiber, which is absolutely phenomenal. It is, uh, I think, every geek's dream to have that much data coming into the house on tap. 
Um, so I won't speak more about it. It's, it is a great service, but it's six grand a month. Uh, unless you're a serious, unless you're a business or you're a serious yeah. techie, you, you'd probably be better suited with high return at MegLine, which is still beyond. If you've course. got a small business with ten people sitting in an office, a one gig line like that, the price might make sense. Might make sense, but even for ten people, you can probably get away with hundred, unless you are ten people doing high end. Ten uh, of us. Bandwidth. Yeah, yeah, 10, 10 gigs. Yeah, then, then one gig would be perfect. Yeah. Um, but my actual pick, and the, and the reason why I got to one gigabit per second, or, or I did the upgrade for a very short period, was to test a new uh, gaming router from Netgear. Um, it is called the XR500. And I'm not going to joke joke with you. This thing is as big as my MacBook Pro. I mean, this <laughs> this is it's a beast of a machine. It looks like a Bugatti Veyron from the front. I mean, it is, it's, it's as geeky as you can get. For about five grand, this router isn't just your average uh, fiber router or your average network router. It really is designed around gaming and gamers. So one of the most interesting features about this, it's running on Duma OS. Now, that's an operating system designed for, for routers that allows you to, that allow you to do a variety of things from quality control of um, the, network, uh, the network that you're running. Um, you've got a very specific gaming dashboard that allows you to set up profiles for various games. And then what the router can do is can optimize your, your latency and where you are on Earth um, using either VPN or just keeping you local to kind of give you the best gaming service uh, or the lowest latency, uh, so access to the lowest latency servers. One of my favorite features, though, and, and something that I don't know why so many router manufacturers don't get it right, but it is really solid network monitoring tools. Having, having a dashboard where you can see what's currently happening in your network, where the bandwidth is going, what's using the type of bandwidth. I mean, as a geek, you, you could appreciate this, always being in control of, um, of the tech that is coming in and out of your, your system or out of your network. Um, so, yeah, that is the Nighthawk Pro Gaming Router. Um, it is high-end. It's designed for, you know, you really, you'll really benefit from getting this router if you have a lot of people on Wi-Fi wanting a lot of throughput. Um, it's really strong on that. Obviously, it's got a gigabit network uh, a router built in as well. So um, if you want to set up a LAN or in an office environment, again, you've got some guys who like to play afternoon games, you want the best performance from your router, I would highly recommend checking out the XR500. What's the fastest speed you got on that thing? So I haven't, I haven't tweaked the router much. I only got it last week. Uh, I did some bandwidth test at the beginning of the week. I managed to push it up to about 870. I think it was 878 was the fastest I've managed to go. Um, that, I should that was, be able that to was reach over, 900. I mean, I meant over, over Wi-Fi, which was the fastest you oh, could Over Wi-Fi, yeah. over Wi-Fi. I think, what was that one screenshot I posted? I think I got three or four hundred megs. I mean, it was... That's incredible. It was, okay. it was pushing, pushing the limit of Wi-Fi could do at the time, or what I thought the Wi-Fi could possibly do yeah i think uh, i think wi-fi uh, is is well into the gigs now but if you get the the proper high-end router which i suspect that one is um mm. it's really up to the device that you're connecting to so you were, sure. if you were getting 400 megs what were you using your macbook uh no i was actually using my yeah you know, my macbook was one but i also used my cell phone which is um, an iphone which is an iphone yeah 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 i haven't tested That's an impressive. android one yet That's, that was just like i said i haven't this weekend's the week where i'm going to be truly putting this thing through its paces because I need to spend some time tweaking it, tweaking the network a bit. Mm -hmm. I upgraded all my cables to CAT6 as well because that was one of the initial kind of, it limited me, by, you know, it dropped by about 100 megs a second if I, uh, from 5E, just in real-world performance. So as soon as I upgraded to uh, to the CAT6, uh, yeah, it, it definitely performed a little bit better. Um, but yeah, there's, 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 I mean, as far as routers go, you'd think these things are very boring, but this is the first time in a long time that I've seen a router that's pretty exciting. It's the kind of thing that you can tinker with and and tweak. And the Duma OS is really fantastic. If you haven't seen it or played with it yet, uh, it's well worth checking out. I think you can even install it on certain other routers. It is a it was a third party uh, application that you could run on routers. Um, but yeah, Nightwalk programming definitely worth checking out. I think you'd like it, Duncan. I yeah, I think I would. I, I've seen photos of it. It looks like a. Re it looks really mean, actually. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> it, yeah, cool. And uh, it's got sorry. And just one last thing. It's got dual core, one point seven gigahertz processors. How cool is that? Good grief. Good grief. Not a toy. <laughs> probably mine for Bitcoin using it. Well, uh, how much did you say the price was? It was just over five grand. Okay, that's quite pricey. I'll uh, I'll hook it up for you so you can play with it for a bit. Uh, okay. I'll pop off at your house. Well, um. We'll uh, we'll do some gaming over it this weekend as well. Oh yes, oh yes. We'll test those latencies while I blow your head off. 
<laughs> no, Bring it on. <laughs> I'll be getting my head blown off. I can assure you I'm useless at those 3D online games. Um, right. Um, my, I've also got two picks this week, um, bonus picks, because uh, we didn't do a show last week. I was dealing with flooding at my house, the Joburg uh, downpours. Oh, yes. Um, so I, I've got two picks. The first one is that Telcom has launched an online store where they're selling a wide range of um, of online gadgetry and unlocked some some sorry unlocked some unlocked phones and uh, anyone who remembers the orange store back in the day it closed mm. down about a year or probably two years ago now um it, the orange store was a great place to buy discounted phones in particular but other, also other electronics yeah. um and i used to use the orange store quite a lot sometimes just just to compare pricing um you know you know how much is how much does the operator want to charge for this phone? Oh, let's see how much it is on Orange, and yeah, uh, yeah. okay, they're ripping me off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's so, such a nice platform. It's so sad that they've gone yeah. away. So now we've got store.telcom.co.za, um, which has been launched in partnership with a uh, local uh, hardware um, or local distributor. I can't say who they are, uh, unfortunately, but um, it's been soft launched. So it's not it's not uh, yet. Um, it's it's not yet uh, they're not yet shouting about it from the rooftops, but it's it's there and their prices are pretty keen. I've compared uh, a number of smartphones that are available on, on the Telcom store with Take a Lot and other online stores, and they are cheaper on every count. Um, usually by about ten percent or fifteen percent, um, which can be meaningful when you're buying a high end phone. Yeah, definitely. Um, so check it out, store.telcom.co.za, and uh, the phones are completely. Uh, Unlocked. There's no. You're not going to get any telecom crapware on the phone. Um, it's, it's just a pure unlocked smartphone from vendors like Apple and Huawei and uh, you know all the usual suspects. Yeah, it looks very interesting. Just as a just as a quick spot price check, they've got the iPhone X on uh, the two fifty six one for twenty one thousand three hundred and fifteen, which I think is a few hundred rand cheaper than uh, the retail prices I've seen listed elsewhere. Okay, okay, just a couple of hundred. Just a, well, just yeah, it yeah. could be wrong, but it seems better. But um, yeah, no, it's worth checking out, and uh, it's nice to have more electronic stores available in South Africa anyway, especially selling some unlocked devices with no oh. operator crapware on them. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> and my second pick this week is um, Telegeography's submarine cable map. Um, I often refer to this, and they've updated it for 2018, and they've really made it uh, look beautiful. Uh, if you go to submarine-cable-map-2018.telegeography.com, and we will include a link in the show notes, um, it shows you all the active and upcoming uh, global submarine telecommunications cables. And I love geeking out over this sort of stuff. Um, they sell the map as well. They'll, they'll ship it to you. Um, and, that, uh, is cool. yeah, that is cool. Uh, it's not cheap, but I'd love to get one for the office. Um, uh, you, you just laminate it and have it framed and put on the wall in the office, and you can quickly have a look at the world's internet. Because really, submarine cables is the internet in the world. Yeah, it is. It's, sure, it's, it's what connects us. Yeah. Satellite provides some connectivity, but the bulk of the world's internet is running under the oceans. Um, and uh, the, 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 the map there is just so well done it's so beautifully done uh, and you can see all the all the cables i'm amazed to, to have a look at how connected the caribbean is for example i wouldn't have expected that i think um, it's probably because it's a it's a thoroughfare for all the cables probably stops there it's probably a landing space to I go think, on yeah there are a lot of islands there as well so it looks like a bit of spaghetti because um, uh, there's a little cable right. lots of cables going between all these little islands um, and i suppose it's also a route to south america between south america mm -hmm. and north america but it's incredible to see some of the where, where some of the real um, infrastructure is built. If you look across the North Atlantic, if you look in Southeast Asia, around China up to Japan, um, South Africa. While we have celebrated all the uh, cables that have landed here and are still coming in recent years, um, it still uh, looks nothing like what you see between Western Europe and North America and uh, and in, in the Southeastern Asian region mm -hmm. and even in South America. Um, but uh, to think five, six years ago, it was just one little line coming down to South yeah, Africa. Exactly. Now we've at least got more than three or four of them and more to come. Um, but it's a fascinating website. Um, if you, uh, if you, uh, um, well, I'll put a link in the, sh in the show notes, but submarine-cable-map-2018.telegeography.com is the URL for that. Best viewed on, on a desktop computer. And I see for $250, you can get that map printed for you. That's right. Yeah, it's 250 yeah. So it works out to about three grand. Um, I'm not Which sure. Which is actually not bad for a big print. No. Because this will be a big print, right? Yes. Um, I hope they don't fold it. If they can ship it um, in, a, in one of those um, 
what do you call them? Those card, cardboard yeah. cylinder things. Then it'd be great because then you can then you can mount it without any folds. But uh, if I they, think, I think you can do it flat, you can chip it flat or rolled up. Oh, you can. Okay, yeah. I must look into that. Uh, I, I think I must get one uh, ordered and put up on the office wall. Yeah, it's a business expense. You can do it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you, need for to sure. Have, you need to have the information at your fingertips. We'll see what my accountant says when uh, he's uh, auditing my numbers at the end of the year. But uh, I'm sure I mean? can get away with that one. <laughs> he's going to ask you, what do you mean $250 for a poster? What is it? <laughs> Very important poster. <laughs> um, and I think, Rechard, that's our show this week. Um, apart from our quiz results, uh, let me do the first question. Huawei launched two new flagship phones this week. What are they? And uh, that is the P20 and the P20 Pro, and I can't wait to get my hands on them. Oh, yes. The second question, launch of NASA's planned replacement to the Hubble Space Telescope has been delayed until at least 2020. What is the new telescope called? And the answer, of course, the James Webb Space, Telex- Space Telescope. And Nusparis has sold 2% of its stake in China's Tencent. How much money did it get, did it net rather through the sale? And we said we'd accept the, to the nearest billion US dollars. <laughs> and the answer there is $9.8 billion. So about 100, and, I'm just uh, running this off the top of my head, about 120 billion rand or so. Nice. Nice Small pocket change, change Cheryl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fourth question. Which Cape Town startup has been acquired by US tech giant Hewlett Packard Enterprise? The answer, of course, Cape Networks, formerly known as Asymmetric. And the last question in this Easter weekend, Easter long weekend quiz. An autonomous vehicle killed a woman in the US last week. Who did the vehicle belong to? And uh, that was Uber. And that's our show. As always, if you've got any feedback, info at techcentral.co.za is our email address. Um, we'd love to you to join live in our show. We're going to try and record every Friday at 2 p.m. We might not always get it quite right, but uh, 2 p.m. is the time we're going to target for. So if you want to jump onto Spreaker uh, at that time and uh, join us, that'd be great in the chat room. I know it's not the uh, best uh, time trying to get people to uh, live stream uh, on just before a long weekend. I think a lot of people are in the pub while Rechard and I are talking right now. And in fact, we should probably be going there ourselves. Maybe we should be recording from the pub. <laughs> from and the then we pub. have the audience right there. <laughs> Good yeah. planning. We'll do that I next time. We'll, we'll do that next time. So until next week, have a great long Easter weekend, everyone. And from Rechard and myself, cheers. Ciao, ciao.